Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Want to welcome our, well, I guess they're not really new listeners, but new to the weekday show at WCHV in Charlottesville, Virginia. Excellent. Yes. Uh, so welcome aboard to everybody who's, uh, who's I guess, involved in this little week-long test that we're doing over there in Charlottesville. They're, they're testing the waters to see, uh, see what the response is to the Free Talk Live weekday program. And the response for the Saturday show has been pretty positive so far, so I'm sure everything's going to go smoothly. But welcome aboard. This is the show, if you've never heard it before, that you can call in and bring up whatever you want. That's the point of the show. It's why we call it Free Talk Live. The phones are always open for for you at 800-259-9231. I was on the morning show with Joe Thomas this morning on WCHV and talking about what we're doing tonight. And I said, uh, you know, I encourage the listeners, if you don't believe us that this is really a show that you can call about anything, give it a try. Pick up your phone tonight and try it for yourself. Uh, really, it works that way. And ladies, come first on Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. We're going to start things out by going right into your phone calls. Let's talk to Ray in New York. Ray, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey there, guys. How's it going? Ray, hey, Ray. What's, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, I was actually hoping to talk to Mark. I'm curious what it's like to be in prison. You're curious? Because uh, everything you hear about being in prison comes from people that have never been there, you know? Really? What do you well, hear? Yeah, you know, you hear a lot of uh, the blowhards will say things like, oh, the prisoners, they got it easy. They just sit back and watch the cable TV and the air conditioning and and stuff, and then, you know, and you hear a lot of, uh, I don't know, urban legends about prison rape and things like that and what prison culture's like. So I was just wondering, you know, not necessarily for Mark's personal experiences, you know, just more generally about, uh, you know, I just had a few things I was curious about well, there. I guess only my uh, my only experiences that I can give are personal, so uh, <laughs> I have to tell you what I experienced. Well, I, mean, I, I just, I'm not asking you to divulge anything personal. Maybe things that you saw or you I have not been about. prison raped. <laughs> yeah, only the government you don't does. Have to tell me. It's all right. You know? It's all right. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, it could have, it can happen to anybody. Bruce Lee could get raped if six guys decide they want to do it, but fortunately, six guys did not decide. And I'm not Bruce Lee. Four guys didn't decide they wanted to do it. Um, but you know, I, it seems kind of dichotomous that people keep in their mind that a prisoners have it easy and b they get raped all the time. Like that's yeah. like that's a strange way of <laughs> yes. thinking about things. It's not easy There's to a get weird raped duality all the time, there. Yeah. yeah. First off, well, I'm not saying the same person. I was just here. You know, I, I'm surprised you haven't heard people say some of the things I've said. Not necessarily. Uh, yes, I've heard them all. Okay. <laughs> I agree. I understand. It comes from I'm, pop culture, right? I mean, it comes from watching all the television think, shows and the movies, yeah. which, right, which they're basically... Oz and there's that guy that always has his girlfriend or whatever, or people coming on to you in the shower. I think I what, mean, you, I what you've said before, Mark, is that these shows, the Oz and the uh, whatever other movies we're talking about here, these prison shows prison and break. movies... They basically take all of the stories that have ever come out of prisons around the country, compress them down into, you know, one half hour long episode or one hour and a half long movie. And so it, it may seem a little more intense than it actually is. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. It's, um, you know, mostly it's uh, a lot of boredom punctuated by some uh, really terrible, uh, scary times. Um, but it's a lot of boredom. A lot of card playing goes on. Um, but as far as uh, cable is, you know, we started, it started out when I went to prison in 
1989 that we got some movies played by VCR. And yes, the televisions were connected on a closed circuit cable system, but that closed circuit cable system did not include HBO or you know any of these other channels. We basically had regular broadcast television. And then that broadcast television was, um, you know, piped via cables to the different television sets inside the dormitories. And, you know, they, they watch those things. But it's it's so difficult to watch and enjoy that television. It's not like everybody's sitting there silently. Um, <clears throat> convicts uh, seem to come from a, uh, uh, a socioeconomic group that cannot whisper. Um, they're not even close. Uh, they, they, they're in, uh, you know, really bad acoustic areas, uh, you know, with rock, you know, it's brick, um, blocks, and then everything's made out of metal. So sound bounces all over the place. Mm -hmm. You can't watch or enjoy. I mean, you might be able to watch or enjoy Monday night football and that's about it. Um, okay. Well, well, let's not get tied down with the prisoner, the TV habits of prisoners, but, uh, cause I had other questions too, okay. like, what do you want to know? Uh, well, you hear, especially from libertarians, they can't keep drugs out of their own prisons and stuff. Were there guards that were selling drugs there? What kind of drugs are people using? It's really the only way they can get in is from the guards, right? Um, no, you can get them through visitation and stuff, too. Really? Yeah. Um, but, well, were you aware of anyone that was actually using them? What kind of drugs? You, yes. Uh, the answer to that is yes. I have myself smoked cocaine in, in prison. I have uh, smoked copious amounts of marijuana while in prison. Um, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I took LSD while in prison. Um, it wasn't the greatest idea in the world. Yeah, it didn't make the TV any better. No, it wasn't good. Um, I, <laughs> if, um, and, uh, you know, I don't recommend that, kids. And uh, there was a lot of uh, cough medicine, uh, you know, that went around. That that was kind of a fun thing to do. So who was smuggling that one in? I mean, because no, that, that came from that was from the clinic. You just, uh, you know, you, you could grab a whole bottle of cough medicine in the clinic. Um, you'd buy them from different people. I mean, uh, people worked in the clinic. You know, convicts yeah. worked in the clinic. I see. You just can't keep anything secured, and they can't keep drugs out of their own prisons. Quite honestly, the oh. fact is, they cannot keep drugs out of their own prisons. All right. Now, what about someone that was sent up for assault on a police officer or maybe took out a cop? Is that guy a hero or a villain in the eyes of the other prisoners? Um, I don't. I don't think that it matters that much. Um, most of the time when you see somebody who's, uh, well, uh, t took out a cop, I never met any of those guys. Okay. Um, a lot of guys would get like assault on a Leo or something like that, but usually it's trying not to get caught is them, you know, and it just didn't matter. N nobody really cared. The only thing that really mattered was if you had uh, some kind of uh, rape against a child kind of situation and mm. then you didn't have a lot of friends and, you know. Things were more bad. Things were more likely to happen to you. Bad things like what they'd beat the hell out of you and stuff like that. People didn't like you, and then therefore, um, you know, the, what do, what do convicts do to people they don't like? Um, you know, they'd be more likely right. to give them a shove down the steps or, um, you know, beat them up when they didn't have a chance or rip them off and things like that. It's not a nice place to be if you've done something to a child. That's for sure. Okay. Any other questions? No. Well, actually, um, that was about it. Except. I want, I'm curious about the prison rape, though, because we talked about it. So did, do you think that actually happens with oh, any degree of frequency, or is that not, just... Not a great deal of uh, frequency. I, I've uh, met one guy that I believed was raped. I didn't really ask him, hey, did you get raped? Um, yeah. You know, certainly some people get pressured into it, and that's really more what it's like. Is there a perception that, that is applied to those people afterwards if it's generally known? Does it get generally known, and do they get a reputation afterwards? Is it is it really harmful for them, not only in their personal life, but also as the way people see them? Yeah, that, that absolutely is the case. Um, uh -huh. the, and I guess I should have said it. I met one, and then I sort of heard one happen. Yeah. So, uh -huh. um, But those were all all, you know, along those were early on in the uh, the prison career, and things got a lot tighter security-wise. 
as time went by, so I didn't see that happening a lot. Um, most of what happened happened sort of via pressure, and uh, you know they they didn't have they didn't have nice names for those guys that did that, and um, yeah, you know I mean it's it's not good. Okay. Thanks, thanks Ray for the call tonight. I hey, appreciate thank hearing you for from you, sir. Yes, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So for those that didn't know, Mark spent nine years in a in a Florida prison. Yeah, all in with your prison questions. I like charges, that. like you said, it's a show about anything. So. It is, uh, and charges that, by the way, uh, you did not actually commit. Well, no. sort of. Um, there's it's a murder charge, right? And I didn't kill anybody, but it's all you have to do with most states is be there and be sort of involved. I didn't know it was going to happen or anything like that, but I didn't tell the cops you know, after. I didn't snitch on my friend, which. You know, I really wish I had. But yeah, but when somebody sees you being charged for murder, they think you killed somebody. Right. That's what I, I mean not. when I say right. you didn't do it. I did not do that. So it's been, uh, you know, always it was always interesting to hear the stories and and hear the experiences. Obviously, my three days that I've spent in a jail cell don't quite compare, uh, but but nonetheless, uh, any time in there is it's undesirable that is for sure yeah. and the the thing is it's unproductive um yeah it's unproductive oh, yeah. for me but it's unproductive for the victim what do, how how does the victim family benefit by me having done 9 years in prison or if i had done 25 or if i did the rest of my life how do they benefit they just pay taxes on it the the best thing is some kind of restitution which is a system that we are very far away from today yeah 800-259-9231. Restitution, of course, would make the victims as whole as possible. Wouldn't necessarily be able to... Obviously, it's not going to give your loved one back if we're talking about a murder case. But it's it would be something as opposed to victimizing them a second time with taxes. More coming up. You bring up anything. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And features including, by the way, the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on that list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And the Institute for Humane Studies is offering 12 different seminars this summer in locations across the country. Participation is free. Plus, IHS is even going to cover your meals and your housing. We had a caller last week just raving about one of the spring seminars that he went to. So you'll get to choose between all kinds of different subjects. Head over to libertarianseminars.com and get registered today. You do need to be of college age to attend these libertarianseminars.com. The deadline for registration for the summer sessions is March 31st. So that's coming up quick. libertarianseminars.com. We continue here with your phone calls about whatever you want. Let's talk to Michelle in Ohio. Michelle, you're on Free Talk Live. Michelle? Hello? You are on yes. the air. Hi. Hey, what's on your um, mind tonight? Well, you were talking about prison and people in prison and rape and that's probably one of the reasons why some people are in prison, but I have an issue with the fact that um, there's so much rape that happens, and one of the biggest things is the law that they created, which is called the statute of limitations. And if you have a case that's not been solved after 20 years, it just doesn't matter. And it's like nobody wants to talk about it, you know. And then, you know, there's some, like, church radio stations that I've contacted that, you know, if you even mention the subject, why don't you discuss this issue and rape? And they don't want to talk about it. And um, 
Is it because of the, the, the statute of limitations part? Is that what you want to talk about? No. Yeah, I want to talk about all of that. Like, why okay. is it that when the people that, 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 like, when the rest of the world rejects you, you think you can go to the church and that they'll be there and they'll, they'll make a stand for you. And then when they reject you and they don't want to even talk about it, then, you know, what you have is, you know, they only, you know, it doesn't make it any better, you know? Well, I, and so, I, I just was, I'm wondering, when you say the church, is it a specific denomination? Well, I mean, is it? Yeah, you know, like in other words, when when you say to, to the to the to the people who are supposed to be standing for God, you know, you say, "Hey, look, this is an issue. What are you going to do about it?" You know, if if, if do you the mean average the, the Catholic men, Church or, itself, or do you mean uh, in general, just you know, believers, you know, different different denominations? Okay. I mean, I don't hear enough about what they're doing. I never hear talk when I hear Christian radio. You know what it's always about why you shouldn't get an abortion. I'm not for abortion, but that's all I hear. What is it that you want them about, to do? I mean, what is it you're looking for from them? I want them to change the them? law. I want them to change the statute of limitations. So you want the churches to help lobby to change the statute of yes, limitations yes, on I rape? Do. Yeah, I do. And I, I think the that, thing you know, you're, you're coming up against here is that churches, and somebody touched on this on a recent show, that, that churches are essentially, these days, organs of the state, in that they have, many of them have begged for permission to be what they call a 501c3 or something exempt. like that, one of those tax-exempt organizations. They, right, so right. if they take a position on an issue, something like that, then they are risking their tax-exempt status, and so they're more interested in doing their little business as a church in the way they're currently doing business than taking any kind of uh, stepping out of their boundaries that they've created for themselves and, and, and putting themselves in the limelight and, and taking the kind of risk that you're talking about. I mean, I see where you're coming from, and I, I like what you're saying. I mean, it's a nice idea. I, for one, am not a, I'm not a member of a church. I'm a, I'm a pantheist myself, but I, 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 I can see that, you know, in the past, some churches have been, have been valuable in that they've actually tried to work toward uh, positive ends like that. But I don't right. think that most churches are in a position so, today where they're willing to do those things. I think a lot of them are just kind of cowardly. Yeah, and what do you think, um, you know, made made our nation change its mind about vindicating the victims and, and saying, hey, you know what, like, the way I felt about it, I was a victim as a young girl. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that I had a right to maybe reopen my case. And when by the time I knew I had a right, it was too late. And that was 20 years later, and now it's 30 years later, and I am pursuing with some local people that I know that are in uh, law enforcement, if I could somehow do some things to investigate myself or get some help with it. Can because you, maybe you, what you could you know, do... The thing is, is, the thing is, is, look, in other words, I, if I was a murder victim, then it would be more important. So I thought to myself, well, I would be better off dead to get this crime solved. I should matter as a victim, and it should not say, you know, you should not have to say, well, hey, it's 20 years now, uh, it's, it's, you've had enough time. You don't know how long it takes for a person to heal or family members or, you know what I mean? You can't tell people, oh, it's long enough. You know, you've you got enough time. It's over now. No, you can't say that. That's like playing God. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I, I totally feel the pain and the, the situation that uh, you had to deal with. Well, you've probably never been raped, so I don't no, know. No, but I mean, I'm, I, I can hear it in her voice. I mean, yeah, so again, it's obvious, um, it's, it's yeah. te and it's terrible. Um, I, maybe what you could do is just uh, broadcast what this person did, and um, you know, hope for hope for some social ostracism there. I, 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 yeah. I I'm just saying that maybe that will get you something um, for some kind of punishment. I, you know, I kind of, 
I like the idea of some of the statute of limitations out there. I, I wonder, you know, if, if somebody's turned their life around, you know, I don't like the idea of going chasing them af- chasing after them for something they did yeah. 30 years ago. That kind of bothers me. Yeah, but, but however, however, if we have... Now, this goes back to our other conversation. I wish you good luck, and I thank you for the call tonight. It goes back to our earlier conversation about restitution, and we touched on this. The system that we have today, the so-called justice system, which is the best in the world, uh, doesn't actually do much in most cases to make the victims whole again. That woman is not whole. No, certainly That's not. exactly it. And, yeah. and nothing has even happened toward making that even partially completed. Right. Uh, so, so, yes, you're right, Mark. Uh, as far as if you uh, if you've got a rapist and he changes his life and you know he goes 20 years later he's a completely different person he's a family man and he's he's completely turned his life around then all of a sudden you come come back into his life and uh, say okay well now you're going to pay for what you did 20 years ago in the current justice system that would mean that let's presume there was no statute of limitations you could actually bring this case that would mean that he would then be plucked out from his current life of being a productive member of society and placed into some prison cell where he would then rot for however many years uh, you one would rot on a rape charge and then be let out and that still wouldn't do anything I to think make her whole. prison is for people that are dangerous to people, to other human beings today. I agree with that. I think that if there were no statute of limitations and you could go after somebody who committed rape 20 years ago, if we had a restitution uh, situation in this country, then he would just have to pay restitution right. and, and right. try to make that situation as right as possible. Uh, if sitting she, in a jail cell doesn't do anything to make things right. And, if, and she this, were to go, if she were to go to him right now and demand some kind of restitution, She'd be charged with blackmail. Well, this is the thing. That's what's crazy. You've got you've got the civil the civil courts, and you got the you have the criminal courts. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, it would be very difficult for her, based on the statute of limitations. I don't know how far back they have statutes of limitations for civil and for civil trials. Well, she um, they, they would have to first be convicted, likely of a not, criminal. Well, well, likely, but not necessarily. Not for example, necessary. the O.J. Simpson right. uh, situation. But it's a very That's, rare situation. Right, and of course that was done within a few years. Twenty-two years later, I don't know what the statute of limitations would be, but it's probably long since gone. There are many statutes for various types of tort tort trials. I also and, don't know uh, what kind of evidence you'd have. And exactly. And you'd have to get assistance from the police police force. You'd have to try to pr- be able to present information. It would be very difficult. Um, the, the justice system, as you guys said, it is just not set up to make someone even partially uh, res- give them partial restitution uh, in this case. It's set up to try to punish and pull people away from society if they think they're dangerous. That's basically it. Toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. 
And those features include the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com, see what it's all about, get editing if you'd like. It's like the listener editable version of our website, W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. Too small for me.com. That's the numeral two and the numeral four. Too small for me. You can clean out unwanted or unused kids' items from your home. Just save money by grabbing the donated items that are there. You can take advantage of coupons and freebies. It's, e- it's easy to use. It's too small for me.com. Don't trash it. Pass it. People use that kid stuff. Too small for me.com. We continue with your phone calls, uh, starting with Ziggy across the pond of the UK. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Hey, Ziggy. Right. Yay. Yeah, hi. Yeah, um, I'm going to talk to you tonight about quantitative easing, which is a process the Bank of England has undertaken. Do you know what quantitative, quantitative easing, easing. Really means? Quantitative easing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, printing money. Yes. Loads more money. Yes, it's, it's, an, it's a wonderful little term. Why don't you tell them a little bit about it, Ziggy? Well, the Japanese tried this about 10 years ago when their economy stalled. And guess whose idea that was? I don't know. Geithner. The Treasury Secretary. He's the guy who gave that idea to the Japanese. Yes. So in about 18 months' time, Britain is going to have enormous amounts of inflation. And in fact, I I wondered, actually, whether uh, the British government had taken Robert Mugabe on as an economic advisor. How how much money are are the uh, British uh, Central Bank, how much are they printing out over there? I don't know the actual statistics, but I've, I've been told it is billions. Yeah, around here, it's they're throwing around the, the trillion term like it means absolutely nothing. There was this story just the other day about how they're going to basically pump a trillion dollars into the economy, which, which of course, doesn't actually pump anything into the economy. It just dilutes the existing money supply. That's all it does, and they're, gonna, they're, can, they're, can, they're planning on doing more of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the, yeah. the point is that this is the very policies, the, ver- the, the, the policies which uh, Western economists have criticized Zimbabwe for adopting. Yes, and and you know it's amazing because they they it, look. It doesn't make it. There's no difference between this and the Lord Keynesian idea of full employment and what they try to do for decades before uh, Reagan and a few other people tried to get things under control and say, look, you can't employ people by printing up money because all it does is it makes money bid for the goods that are out there and reduces the buying power of your goods. All it will do is cause people to start investing in things they shouldn't invest in because they think they're getting all this money, and then later you get a retraction. I'll tell you the other um, stupid, stupid policy that this government adopted. They cut VAT, which is a sales tax. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm all in favor for cutting um, taxes. But the problem is no one's got any money to spend on goods in the first place. So what's the point of tax? You know, cutting the taxes if he, if, he's, if if no one's got any money. Well, see, obviously they think that that's going to have an. Uh, they think that by funneling money into the money supply and reducing the taxes on what you buy, they'll be increasing spending. But people are way, way over leveraged right now. They don't want to spend money. They want to try to balance, fix their balance sheets. That's what the banks have been trying to do. And people like Geithner here and people like uh, Ben Bernanke have been doing everything they possibly yeah. can and, and, now. And ho- 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 yeah. up. Krugman is a great hero. Oh, I find oh him man! Dull. Oh my and God! Krugman is Paul, Paul Krugman is is one of the most uh, just backwards thinkers on economics. He won the, the he recently won the the uh, Nobel Prize for economics because he oh, great. he 
and, well, then and he must by know the way, everything. Yeah, and the Nobel Prize for Economics is not given by the the real Nobel Committee. It was created by the uh, a, a central bank essentially, and they adopted the name Nobel Prize. It oh, has nothing nice. to do with the original Nobel what? Prize. It's bogus. Yeah, it's absolutely bogus. So who gives the uh, Nobel Prize for Literature? The Nobel Committee. So the Nobel. Uh, <laughs> wait a second. That's, how come they can't sue them? For I this don't know crap? how it works, but they they well, are able to. I can have the, the last name Nobel if I want to, right? Can I start yeah. my own uh, prize-giving committee? And and Krugman and Ziggy oh, bringing boy. up Krugman, just just a quick uh, mention about Krugman. Paul Krugman is a hardcore socialist. He has said that there should be higher taxes and more government spending and well, that's more coming. regulation on people. Yes, and he 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 got the the um, Nobel Prize for this amazing insight that with larger uh, with larger production, sometimes you get. Um, you get uh, efficiencies of scale. So he had this brilliant idea that, you know, larger countries, he, he, you know, he's locked in the nation-state concept. Mm-hmm. Larger countries have larger pools of employees. Therefore, they can get efficiencies of scale, and they can produce things more efficiently down the line, which is nice. It's not really quite right, but he doesn't open up his mind to say, hey, how about this then? If you'd like to have large pools of potential employees – Tear down all your trade barriers right. from nation state to nation state. Relax. He's in favor of tariffs and trade barriers. Relax uh, immigration uh, restrictions on people and let free people cross borders freely. Uh, absolutely. Then you'll have this huge, uh, you know, basically economy of scale that will make everyone more wealthy. No, Ziggy, he's, he's thanks for the call tonight. Thanks, really Ziggy. Yeah, I don't want to go into it too, too, too much more because, uh, you know, it's... You bring it drives up. me crazy. Yeah, uh, well, it's just, it absolutely is maddening. There's another story today after we'd mentioned a few days ago the idea that the, the Fed's going to basically print up a trillion dollars. It should probably mostly be in the in the computer system. They'll just hit a yeah. hit a few keys on a computer and then make a trillion dollars more appear in, in the economy. Right, they're going to buy up the uh, long-term U.S. debt. And you know why? Because the U.S. can't sell their long-term bonds anymore. So who's going to do it now? The Fed. Is this? I think this might be the story you're talking about. Uh, it's from the AP the Obama administration's latest attempt to tackle the banking crisis and get loans flowing to families and businesses will create a new government entity. The ah, this public, is another one. This is different. Okay. This is the public this investment is program. News. Yeah, this is the public-private <laughs> investment program. That's exactly what yes, it is. This, is. this is the Treasury Department. See, this is, and this is very interesting. Two things that I'd like to mention very briefly. The AIG stuff that we've heard about over the past couple weeks, all the anger about AIG and their compensation – those guys like Geithner not only knew about it, they've known about that AIG stuff for over about a year, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is, I believe, and I, I don't want to pull you away, but I believe this is a real setup rhetorically for the politicians. They knew about this. This information was leaked to the public, I think, to gin up anger at the AIG bailout thing, which they knew they were contractually they are contractually obliged to pay these bonuses. They knew that back in September, and they knew that back in December when they gave them another $30 billion, the government, the mm. federal government. Okay, They knew all this stuff. Geithner knew about this a long time ago. Geithner designed the TARP program. He's known about this all along. Geithner's going to keep his job because Geithner and the Obama people, I think, were ginning up people's anger against uh, against corporate compensation in order to move to create this thing, the public-private investment program, and to give Geithner power to be able to seize companies, and they're going to try to give Geithner the power to regulate corporate compensation. And it doesn't even have to be a period. period. It doesn't have to be anybody who's gotten any government bailout or anything. They're going to try to do this. 
Now, they're, they're, I, on my podcast, actually, I went into it today because there's some information about the tax code from 1993. We, we spoke about it before the show. But People can download your podcast at libertyconspiracy.com. Right, right. And, and back in 1993, the Clinton administration moved to impose a regulation that said that uh, um, compensation packages for, for executives over a million dollars would be heavily, heavily taxed. Okay? So what happened was people started to shift over for their compensation for executives they couldn't pay the money, the businesses, so they started to give them stock options, which is how the whole Enron scandal started, because those guys knew they were going to get stock options. They kept getting their stock options, and then they, they, they had a policy in place where if you worked for Enron, you could buy Enron stock. So these guys at the top of the pyramid were making tons and tons of money. Sure. The, the stuff collapsed. So that tax code is still on the books. It was 1993 tax code. Okay. After that, now they're trying to do this. With a regulatory schema, which comes in two parts. First, they're going to give Geithner the power to be able to regulate what businesses can make. And second, with this public-private investment program, they want to give Geithner the power to work with these so-called troubled assets and buy up these assets up to a trillion dollars. Up to a trillion dollars, exactly. Seven percent of it would come from private businesses in this public-private partnership. Ninety-three percent will come from the federal government, and it's a way to inject more money into the system. 800-259-9231 and benefit their buddies at all of our costs. More on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in, bring up anything, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Gart. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? You can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase, whatever it is that you need to buy in life. Amazon probably sells it with dozens of categories in which you can shop. Free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of items and even used items. If you need to save a few extra bucks in the tightening economy, you can do that at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. So do head over there and take care of that. Hey, also, Ian. Yes, oh, sir. Sorry, I just, I just wanted to mention, uh, there was one thing I did want to mention uh, about, that, uh, about that economic issue. We're going to hit that in a moment. Great. First, I'm going to tell you about bottled water. The bureaucrats undermine your right to bear arms, and now they're taxing bottled water. That's right. Water. Log on to enjoybottledwater.org and tell them enough is enough. Sign the petition fighting taxes and regulations on bottled water. After all, if they can tax water, what will they do next? Our friends at CEI really want to get some signatures on this uh, petition. Please go sign at enjoybottledwater.com. Enjoybottledwater.org, I oh, thought excuse it was. Me, dot is org. It, you sure about that? Yes, okay. it is dot org. I didn't write the copy. That's them. So, yes, okay. it is all right. So, yeah, so I'm losing track, Gardner. I mean, how many trillions has it been in this short window of time? I mean, uh, We're looking at about four trillion so far, and it's going to be five probably within a couple months or within maybe just a month. Uh, it's insane. And, and It the, is insane. And you I were talking to... about hyperinflation during the break. Yes, I mean, this yes. is... This is the, very, the entire very debt of the country is eleven trillion dollars at yeah. this point, and it just it was just at ten not too long ago. Right, and it sounds it, uh, the the key thing that I want I want to as I expressed to you off the air is it sounds a little bit abstract. I mean, it's, it's not as immediately media as talking about you know this the visceral stories like someone getting 
getting injured by police or, or the experience of someone when, when he or she goes to jail or, or a personal story like rape or something like that. Sure. Far and more insidious, though. Yes. It's, it's a little bit indirect, but it is more insidious or at least equally as insidious. And, and the key thing I wanted to bring it's up... It's financial rape of every single individual in this country. Absolutely. It's immoral. It's unethical. It's anti-constitutional. It's criminal. And what is going on now, and this isn't something where I'm trying to gin up people's desire to watch out for the new world order or anything like that. I'm talking about pure economic economics, pure perfidy on the part of politicians. And the point that I wanted to mention, which I did not tie into your original point, Ian, is this. Sequentially, last week what was going on was exactly what you discussed. The Federal Reserve is moving to buy U.S. long-term bonds because the U.S. has spent so much money, no one will buy their bonds anymore in the open market out. The foreign countries aren't buying them anymore. And the Fed has always been their fallback. If that, that's one of the intents of the Fed, beyond just printing up money, was to be the last resort if the federal government couldn't actually sell these things, right? Well, sort of. They've never really done the long-term bonds. They've done short-term bonds. But the long-term bonds, that's a different matter. So they're basically, they're doubling the amount that they're, they're buying off the government. And this is just creating money out of thin air. Essentially, what happened during that week and a half or so when you the government this, can't pay these back right no well they won't the only way they'll pay them back is through borrowing from the fed or by printing up money from the treasury or through taxation which they're not going to be able to do yeah so so they're just going to print up money it's, it's they're going to have to monetize the debt but that comes in a second so what was going on was i thought it was a double bluff what was going on they were deflecting people away from the fact that the Fed was going to be buying up, essentially creating another trillion dollars. While that was going on, everybody was talking about AIG. Mm-hmm. Oh, AIG is so bad. Oh, these people are terrible. Yeah. What are we going to do? $180 million compared to a trillion. Right, you know? right. And they even, you know, they, they even had some conservative commentators making great points. Christopher Dodd was at fault of this, you know, so on and so forth was at fault of this. But what they didn't point out was that these guys knew about it, and for, in my opinion, it was a plan from the start. They were using it to take people's attention away from what the Fed was doing and to get people ginned up and angry so that they could then move this week, which they're going to do, and they'll announce it even in more detail over the next couple of days, a new agency or a new regulatory standard which will give Tim Geithner the power to regulate corporate Compensation. Now, it does now, this seem is suspicious that there's always some big news story in order to, uh, uh, you know, to to uh, you know cover up some other what's you know much more uh, significant happening. I, th- I think it was interesting in in the Clinton administration when um, the the Lewinsky scandal broke. He launched bombs at the, the an aspirin yes. factory in, uh, in in Iraq, and there you could kind of see. The, the intent to make a story cover a story, but it didn't work mm. in that particular instance. Right, so right. it, it kind of gives you an example of how, well, this AIG thing, we're going to make a big stink about $180 million, which compared to a trillion dollars is chump change. Right. I mean, it is chump change. Yes. yes. So, uh, and, and the other thing about this that I'd just like to mention is that um, as they're doing this, as the federal government makes this this sort of a move, uh, what you're what you're going to be seeing is unintended consequences. If they start to try to regulate compensation packages, you're going to see the same sorts of things that happened 
when Roosevelt was president, and they put wage and price controls on what businesses could pay. Patently unconstitutional, patently immoral, I mean evil, evil. These people should be arrested for doing this sort of thing. What are some of those consequences? The consequences in that case were that businesses could no longer offer monetary remuneration or compensation to people for their services, so they started to offer non-monetary compensation in the form of health insurance packages. Mm -hmm. right? And that's where we got the tradition of people expecting that their businesses would give them health insurance. And this it is got how health care became so expensive. Well, in once a way, yes. Were, once people were divorced from having to pay for their Precisely. own health care, that's when they started demanding, you know, that that's when the, once the prices, once, once people didn't care about the prices, then the prices could go up, 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 right. up, and up. There was, and there was regulation another, is a Right. Factor. There was another facet of it, which was in the 1970s, Ted Kennedy was able to squeak something into the tax code that allowed large businesses to be able to write off these insurance policies as ex as expenses. So therefore, when a person became an employee at a business that offered this sort of thing, he had an option. I could get the insurance from my employer, or I could get it myself. If I get it myself, I'm going to end up not being able to deduct this from my taxes. I'll pay full freight. If I get it from my employer, well, shoot, he gets it for a discount. I get it for less. So that tilted the balance more and more towards HMOs. And it, it just grew and grew and grew. They started to lobby and so on and so forth. Now, the other thing that happens with when you have these price controls over what people can, can offer mm -hmm. is the same sort of thing that you get when you have price controls over any product. It, it reduces the supply, or people try to find ways around it. For example, in the 1990 tax case, the 1993 tax case, they imposed this limit of a million dollars for compensation. Companies tried to find ways around it. So what did they do? You get the unintended consequences of companies then offering these these stock options instead of money. Now, the reason they're doing that is because, and I don't know what it's like to be a, a business executive uh, overseeing all of these operations, but I'd imagine it's a fairly stressful position. It's it's one that, there's, that bears a, a lot of responsibility, yeah. and it's not something you want some kid out of college handling. You want somebody who's got some experience at this, this is, which is why... This is my understanding of it, which is why they pay these guys so much money. And they pay them not to leave and go to their competitors. These are called retention bonuses. They, the key thing on these But if bonuses, they can't make the, the payments that these guys are worth, then they're not even going to be entering the market right, for, right. Uh, for you know, these jobs. You know what will happen? Sub-companies will be set up. Front companies will be set up. And they'll just be, these guys will open up their own companies, and then they will be hired as a contractor. As a contractor and, and then you'll, they'll have corporate taxes, but they won't be the 90% that the federal government wanted to impose. And they, or they'll set up numerous companies that will all get paid, and then they'll get around this new proposal to have Geithner so, control how much they can get because they'll right. be getting smaller. You'll never stop the rich from, be, from always, making money because they they have the they have the ability to hire people that you know that know the tricks. Right. They, they can afford the lawyers who right. know the loopholes. So all you do is screw the middle class. And right. the lawyers, the, and of course, the, what we've got going on here in this country on a general scale is the lawyers are the ones that write the laws. And then the, they write laws that make it so their brethren and they themselves as lawyers get more work. So essentially they write these new laws, as you're talking about, that are going to have these uh, controls and strictures put down on what these executives can make. That just means it's an opportunity for some new corporate lawyer to come in and exactly. say, well, here's how we can get around this. And you know the and key then, thing? The, yeah. the key thing, I'm sorry, man, I'm just so, I'm yeah, really sure. wired about it, as you know, because I called you today to talk about some of this stuff. I was going crazy. I was absolutely going out, bad out of my mind on but this. But then the politicians can pat themselves on the back and make look like they did something, right? right? When and, in point of fact, nothing has really what changed. Happens, but what happens to the economy? Now you've got the extra drag of lawyers... Yep. 
new accountants, mm-hmm. new regulatory burdens. You got Prices about go another up. thirty or thirty-five percent taken out of all the efficiency of all these things when they could just be doing this directly, and stockholders could see, do we like this or don't we? Right, and that's productivity. And when you when you take the productivity out of the marketplace, then you don't get production. Exactly. You get a bunch of busy work, and that's what that is: busy work. That's what happened in the Soviet and Union. And it's fascism. I can't, why are people standing up to this stuff, man? Because the corporations are evil, Gardner. we got to show them what's for. Wait a minute. Isn't the federal government a corporation? <laughs> 800-259-9231. Aren't your municipal governments corporations? Yeah, the answer is yes. 800-259-9231. Hour two's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with the very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized a contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free. So enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. Continuing with your phone calls about whatever you want. Let's start and talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yeah, I want to talk to you about what happened Saturday. A cop, a cop killed four innocent human beings, and then a human being went out and killed four cops. Have you heard about that? I have not, no. What, what happened? Well, in De Pere, Missouri, this cop, uh, they suspect she was driving drunk, a Sunset Hills uh, police officer driving the wrong way on Doherty Ferry Road, uh, crashed into a car, and uh, with five people in it, mm-hmm. and killed the four passengers, and the uh, uh, critically injured the driver. Wow. So there's a cop. Uh, Did the cop they, survive? They, uh, yeah, the cop it went to the hospital too. She, uh, mm. I believe, was in critical condition. But uh, the uh, the four passengers were killed in the other vehicle that the, the cop crashed into when uh, going the wrong way, mind you, on uh, Doherty Ferry nice. Road. So uh, there's that's when cop. you know you're really wasted. Yeah. Well, they're not uh, alleging yet. They're they're still investigating whether alcohol was a factor. They don't. Oh, so they're not sure. They think she might have just been going the wrong way down the uh, down the road for for fun. At quarter or two in the morning. Yeah. yeah anyway, uh, then uh, a human being out in Oakland, California. Did you hear about this? Uh, gunned down four cops. No. Oh, what was the that about? Was, what was that about? The guy was wanted. Uh, on a parole violation, uh, he was required to report to his parole officer and to go get a job. And he couldn't find a job, and he says that he went to report to his parole officer who wasn't there. Hmm. 
and so uh, there's this warrant out for him. Uh, I mean, hey, the thing is, if he can't find a job, that's the government's fault anyway. The government sets the unemployment rate as precisely as the government sets the uh, tax rates by deciding, you know, how much, uh, how, what, what how to have the zoning restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they impose zoning restrictions to say, no, you can't build a factory here. The yeah, more regulations, the more the unemployment. In California, yeah, so, I think that's where you said it happened, is one of the yeah. most regulated, most taxed places. And so it's no surprise that they've got, what, last I heard, one in ten is unemployed so, in California. He, he got pulled over on a routine traffic stop. They still haven't figured out what the cop pulled him over for, driving while black, of course. And uh, the guy decided enough was enough. He's got nothing to lose, you see. Mm. It's not that he was fighting back against the injustice of, uh, you know, the original crimes. It's that uh, he, he took out the two cops there. And then somebody told the police where the guy was hiding, and they sent a SWAT team, and uh, he wow. was able to take out two more cops before uh, going to heaven. See, resistance <laughs> to violence is obedience to God. Thank you, Tom, for the and, call and, tonight. And, you know, As always, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The opinions of Tom are not necessarily the opinions of those uh, hosts on this show. I I think that uh, anybody can go to heaven. Yeah. Well, I'm, what I mean by that is that Tom alludes at some points in some calls to the idea of killing cops, and he doesn't ever come out and say that he thinks it's something that people should do, but at the same time, he doesn't exactly... He says resistance to tyrants is uh, service to God, and I, I can't I can't disagree that's with him. True. Um, that Jefferson you know, that's said the, the same thing, essentially, paraphrasing. I, you know, if, if you're out there enforcing bad laws, now I don't know what was going on in any of these circumstances, but if, if you're enforcing bad laws, then... You know, you're gonna. The people are gonna be mad, and it's right. like bad things are gonna happen. That's that's the point that should be made. Not that you should, you know, start shooting government bureaucrats uh, because that's gonna just result in your and your demise, as happened to that guy. And, and of course, sometimes when you phrase it as a human being killed cops and cops <laughs> killed human beings, as if there's some distinction between the cops and the human beings, they're all human beings. It just depends who's got the power over whom. Well, yeah, it's interesting though. It's, it's an interesting distinction to draw because usually it's drawn the other way, where the the cop look yes. down on the rest of us yes. as you, little peons in comparison to their specialness. Yeah. Uh, we should be in awe of them. But uh, but uh, but your point is right, Mark, that, that this is what people that are in the government need to come to understand, is that the further you push people, the more regulations you put on them, the more controls, the more absurdities, the more vi- possibilities to violate a probation, which is what that guy was dealing with, just the insanity of the probationary system. The more of this you pile on to people, the more likely someone is going to do what that guy did. The more likely someone's going to do what the, the what was it in Michigan or something, where some guy walked into a city council meeting and just started firing at the uh, the city council. The, it's the, happened the, in a couple the, of the occasions. Look at Draga in New Hampshire. Yeah, so yeah, the more know. likely this stuff is going to happen. I don't want violence to occur. I think that we should be able to, to achieve a, a peaceful, voluntary society through completely peaceful means. But I, but the reality is, if you keep pushing people with all of this force, that go, and that's all that government is. Government is just force. You know, it's not eloquence; it's force. And so you just keep pushing people, and some of them are going to crack. Yeah, it's so and in true. The, and they're going to hurt somebody. And you know, uh, you guys have all brought up uh, very good, and, and, and the caller did too. You know, you all brought up great points, talking about all of these layers that are accrued on people that 
A, restrict their opportunities to be gainfully employed because there are uh, zoning zoning restrictions and minimum wage laws and regulations on businesses. So you don't have a market that could be as accepting of, of uh, low, low-skilled workers. Uh, then you've got, as you said, you've got these opportunities that the police take to... I also have think, these laws that they're gonna they're gonna you know nail people on, and then you've got the the legislature yeah. passing more laws. I don't want to take the power out of this guy's hands, even though he's dead now and he can't take anything out of his hands. Um, in that, I believe that uh, you can get a job if you want a job. You like you can do it if you want to. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, if point. if you if you decide that you're going to let the things get in the way, the government does put a lot of things in the way. So. You know, I think it's a, I think there's two sides to that coin. I'm living proof, man. I mean, maybe I had a few more advantages than some uh, convicts who got out of prison, and I took advantage of those uh, advantages. I lived with my mom instead of uh, going to some kind of halfway house out there. But th- mm-hmm. it's been done. It, it it it'll be done again and again, and you can do it. Yeah. We continue with your phone calls. Talk to I believe we have Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. It's on your mind tonight. Frank. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to extend the uh, economic discussion. Uh, what's happening with the Bank of England in, is that they're actually uh, tripling their money supply. And they've been doing this over three different uh, operations. Uh, the last one was reported last week. Basically, we're doing the same thing with our uh, Federal Reserve and the Treasury is printing out money on orders from the Fed. Uh, What's really interesting that no one has mentioned is the fact that uh, just today, the Bank of China or the, the central bank in China is calling for you know a new reserve currency. Yeah, we were just uh, looking which, at that. Which is not going to be you know the U.S. dollar, which sort of was the post-war reserve currency. Right, and wasn't Russia, uh, the, the Boris, whoever the hell it is over there, who was it? Yeah, just last week. For one. Russia was calling for it too. Yep. And also Iran is. And yeah. Iran has a lot of petrodollars. So basically, in order to, to, to go over, the special uh, drawing rights of the IMF uh, was introduced after the Brenton Woods. And that was basically sort of like a metacurrency. It was based on four currencies, the U.S. dollar, the yen, the euro, and the pound sterling. And that's over the last uh, five to ten years. That's basically what we have. Now, what, what China is doing, they're calling for uh, exp- expanding it, as is Russia and as is Iran. So what they want to do is have a special drawing rights drawing currency, or what they call a bill, that will actually sort of like refloat yeah. the values. And they what's want interesting it to be- with China, China has tremendous... Dollars and what Hillary Clinton discussed with the uh, her trip to China was basically the fact that China is very concerned about the dollars they have. Right, and she was the begging US them. The U.S. won't redeem them in gold yet. Yeah, she was begging them. To, she was begging them not to not to turn in their treasuries and to continue continue buying the bonds. Correct. Even though there, there's no interest on the bond, it's right. zero rate of return, as is with the Bank of England. So it's a very interesting. What do you think is going to happen, Frank? And you know, quickly. what I think will happen. China will demand payment in gold, as will the other countries. And Where's that gold going to come from? The gold, just as FDR did in the Great Depression. Hang and on, Frank. We'll bring you back. Two. I want to find out where that gold's Go going to come from. If China's going to demand payment in gold, was that part of the original deal? How can they make that uh, that demand? It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features that we give away, those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their sites. Enjoy ours free at freetalklive.com. SACL CAI is the main sponsor of Free Talk Live. The, uh, the owner of there, Jason Osborne, is a huge supporter of Liberty. Great guy, yeah, and uh, well, qu- quite a thinker when it comes to economics. Holy which crumb! We've been <laughs> talking about here. So, uh, if you've got a business and you're sick and tired of dealing with your own collections, talk to Sakel CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right hand side of the page. All right, so we continue to go back to Frank in New York. Frank, we are talking about this idea of a yeah. global currency, which is one right. that has been floated in recent days. I mean, within the last okay. week by uh, Russian government people and now China Correct. throwing it out there. And I'd asked you, Frank, what do you think is going to happen? You said you believe China is going to call back its, uh, what was it, Treasury notes? Well, here's what I think will happen. They've made a deal with the U.S. not to uh, cash in uh, over the next four to six months the $2 trillion they're holding in T-bills. But here's what I think they're going to do. China also has a huge amount of gold that's being mined. It's kept out of the world economy because the gold is controlled by the World Bank and also the International Monetary Fund. They have a specific committee that regulates that. What it means is whenever any new gold enters the system, it has to be refined through one of the uh, foundries. And usually they're in Switzerland, and these are all regulated by the central banks. Basically, the central banks can determine if new gold can enter the system. Now, what's really interesting is Russia has a huge amount of gold. They call this sort of like unregistered gold. It's kept out of the international uh, economic system, but the point is it actually exists. It doesn't have the seals on it, the stampings that that the uh, uh, specific foundry would put on it. So I think what's going to happen with all of this gold that, that's existing and that people now you know, would like to see into the system, I think pressure will be applied by Russia and China on the central banks. And I think they're going to allow for more real gold to enter the system. But at the same time, they have this huge amount of you know, derivatives and toxic uh, debt in the United States and Europe. And in order to get that out of the system, it has to be held. Uh, And the real trick is this. I mean, here's what I think will happen. The U.S., the money that's going to the insurance companies and to the banks. Mm -hmm. The trillions of dollars. going in to pay for the FDIC insurance, which is about 1.5% of all deposits. That's what's really needed. That's the, the bank account of the little person, your checking account, this thing. So here's what I think will happen. Ultimately, when the banking system collapses, the money in the banks will be, you know, taken over, and that'll be it. It'll be gone. And since this was sort of... Written, Wait, you, you mean they're just going to clear out people's bank accounts? Yeah, because the FDIC insurance is only 1.5% of all deposits. That's all they have. Instead of putting all of these trillions of dollars into paying for FDIC insurance, which is what they should do, and then let the big banks fail... And then the, then the bank accounts of the other banks would be taken over by others. So the little person would at least be protected. That's not what's happening. In I fact, would say that would be very superior. little of this money is going into the FDIC. 
which is I'm what lost. supposedly I'm sorry. Can insures you, our accounts. Up can you run that by now? me again? Maybe one of you guys had understood that because I'm a, I'm a little bit lost. Well, I, I, I'm of a slightly differing opinion. Uh, I, I think that uh, if this occurs, uh, the first thing you're going to see is the United States government trying to monetize its debt. But uh, – that's well, going to be doing that now. They've been attempting to monetize the debt. That's absolutely right, and it's going to it's going to get even worse. I believe it will, it will yeah. proceed a pace, and we're going to see not just. Well, do you inflation. remember Gresham's law in economics yes, it, and money and banking? Bad money, bad pushes money drives out good. good money out of circulation. Right, exactly. And, and the good money is going to be the money that's backed by either a basket of currencies or a basket of commodities or a basket of bullion. It may not be an ounce of gold, or this it may be a hundredth of an ounce. But right. The point is. It will have that in it. It will have the tie, and it's 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 going to have to have some sort of tie, or they're going to have to uh, fool a lot of people the way they did up until they pulled us out of the Bretton Woods Agreement, uh, and they went back in the 70s under Nixon and finally yeah, admitted, remember, hey, we've when, got no gold. When, that happened, when yep. that happened in 1969, that's when they created the special drawing rights, which was the basket of currency that I alluded to earlier yes, in our conversation. And, and, and on that point, uh, I think this is I think you made some make some excellent points, Frank, and I think you, your, your predictions are, are – uh, pretty much along what I think w- is going to happen. And this sign from China that they want to have this new currency, the key thing to mention, which has not been mentioned yet, is that is in that article from the Financial Times, is that they want it to be directed under the IMF. They want the IMF to be the one that creates the currency. That's true because China now has the, the Bank of China, the central bank does have a significant position on the board of the IMF, which wasn't the case 20 years ago. So they would be the biggest player in right. the new global and, currency? And, well, they will be, because ultimately they're holding the biggest amount of money. They've already, they're already uh, 23% of one of the Rothschild banks, which yes. has never happened before. Uh, those were always kept among the, the family members. They so never allowed any other partners. The, China, the point you never reiterated, or I guess maybe I didn't understand if you did, was... Uh, the, the idea that the Chinese are going to basically try to cash in, was it treasury notes with the, well, the U.S.? Well, they could do that, and they could drop the U.S. Uh, they could, in a sense, really crash the uh, the Fed. And right. they're not doing that. I mean, they're, they're very wise. They have a long-term perspective. If they would do that, all of the contracts that still exist on the books with Walmart and all of the manufacturing companies like Westinghouse that are having generators built in China would all cease to exist. Why? And China would... China why, would they, would why would those contracts cease to exist? Well, because the, 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 the money, the, the system would break down. See, it, it's exchange. It, it, it's income. It's a circularity of, of international uh, currency and money. And, you know, this is basically it. So because if, if the contract happen, was written in dollars, uh, you know, do- denominated in dollars, and now dollars crash and right. burn, then what does a contract mean anymore? Well, How do you define what... also have certain things, too, that if, that if the, uh, uh, the banking system or if something goes wrong that, that isn't foreseen or this or that, that it voids the contract. So China's I very see. smart. They know their money uh, it, it, it is probably going to be good in the long run. Plus, they have over 40 million more people in the yeah, last and their, cr- their economy is growing. Unemployed in China. Thank you, Frank, for the call. Always yeah. interesting to uh, to hear from you. 800-259-9231. I get a little lost in all the numbers and the, and the terminology yeah. there. But, I, you know, one of, the, one of the key things that I wanted to mention about this is that uh, when you see this sort of a proposal, the idea here is 
constantly grow the size of control, expand the size of control. When you saw the U.S. Constitution being written, one of the uh, real rationales that was offered up by the people like Alexander Hamilton and others, which was basically bogus, was we need one central governing authority because the states are printing their own currency and they're inflating their own currency to pay off their war debts. And so if we only have one central authority, a U.S. bank that, that can handle everything, then everything will be fine. And it's the same thing. If you read this, uh, this Financial Times article, it's the same the sort same of thing. Pitch. It's the same pitch. It says here, uh, in an essay posted on the People's Bank of China website, uh, so-and-so, the bank's governor, said the goal would be to create a reserve currency, quote, that is disconnected from individual nations and is able to remain stable in the long run. Well, as we see, it doesn't remain stable. All it does is instead of having little states that issue their own currency or little nations that issue their own currency and could screw up their own den, like Zimbabwe, everybody's going to get screwed up by the central government. Now, it presumes everyone it. will participate, but there are a lot of independent countries out there that not all of them are going to jump yeah, on board. Yeah, but see, the thing is they want to destroy their, their monetary system, so they'll take it. Government officials like to think they know better than the rest of us. They tell us what we can buy and when we can buy it. Everything from guns and booze to cold medicine and cigarettes. Now they've gone even farther. Cities across the country are now trying to tax and ban bottled water. That's right. Simple, no alcohol, no caffeine, no calorie bottled water. They say it's wasteful and buying it is, quote, stupid. But who are they to decide? If politicians decide you shouldn't even be able to buy bottled water, what's next? Visit us at enjoybottledwater.org and sign the petition to keep the nanny state out of our water bottles. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in and bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Features including live streams. We've got a broadband version, a dial-up version, and even a webcam version of the show. All free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Now, if you've been hearing all of this uh, dire economic talk that has been going on in this show within the last half an hour or so, or I think it's been like 45 minutes, but the uh, all of this economic talk, it can seem pretty negative, can seem doom and gloom. What do you do about all this? I mean... <laughs> It's no easy task to go up and start your own alternative currency. We saw what our friends over at the Liberty Dollar, we saw what happened to them in late 2007 with a, an, a Federal Bureau of Investigation police raid on their home office in Evansville, Indiana, coming in, kicking in the door, taking all their office supplies and taking, taking a, a few million dollars worth of gold and silver and platinum. So, I mean, they had a nice operation running that had been running for almost an entire decade. And then once they got popular enough, the feds came in and they they stole it all. Now, they've managed to to come back and they're still in business and they're still out there putting out their product. But there's really not much else as far as alternative uh, privately issued value-backed currencies out there besides the Liberty Dollar. I'd like to see some more start up, but I can understand the reticence of a uh, an entrepreneur who may not want to have all of his assets uh, stolen from him. So is there some way to decentralize that process? I don't know. I'm not the innovator there, but... Obviously, getting to an alternative value-backed currency and transitioning to that is going to be one of the ways to avoid damage from the coming financial calamity. But there's not really much that you can do with that. I mean, you can build up your own supply of gold and silver, but it's not really 
it's not a real spendable currency, at least not right now. It's, it's nice to be able to trade it back in when they uh, when the dollars are worth half as much as they are or a quarter as much as they are now. It's definitely something Turn people should look at. them four times as much as you bought them for. Yeah, well, people should, de- should definitely look at having gold and silver, uh, no doubt about that. But I'm just talking about, you know, what are some solutions to these problems we're looking at here? I mean, we were just talking about the this global currency, this idea that's being thrown around all over the place. And I think that one of the solutions is getting like-minded people together in the same right. Geographic region, uh, specifically. You, you're saying it just. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, specifically yeah. here in New Hampshire, and I'm talking about the Free State Project. Uh, from creating new and old media to political action and civil disobedience, as well as market-based activism, you'll find more pro-liberty activism than you ever imagined possible when you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. You can learn more at freestateproject.org. Mark and I were both Free Staters. We moved here in 2006 from Florida. And Gardner, you're a New Hampshire native. I know that uh, a lot of New Hampshire natives are really excited about the Free State Project because it's making a difference. There are a lot of people, hundreds of people that have moved here to get active for freedom. And some of them, their pet issue is economics. Some of them, they want to work on starting alternative currencies, but they may just not have the capital in order to do it. They may have the ideas, but not the capital. So we need as many people that are of like mind to come here as possible so we can create a free society to help, number one, I mean, number one to be free, but to also help insulate ourselves from all of these financial problems that are coming as a result of fiat currencies. You know, uh, as you were saying that, Ian, you got my gears working. I think there are two ways that this can go. If they start to do this with these currencies, uh, you're either going to have a black market for the good currency, and it's going to be very, very dangerous, or you're going to have to have people standing up and showing themselves, saying, we're not going to take take this, we're not going to accept this. And I think really the advantage there is being close to each other, to have more people gather in an area where they have like-minded people. And we just had 32 people show up at yesterday's Social Sundays meeting. It's uh, something that happens on a weekly basis here in Keene, New Hampshire. And this is it's a just it's a mind-boggling amount of liberty people together on a weekly basis. I mean, Mark, you were with me down in Sarasota, Florida, when we used to go to the Libertarian Party meetings, which were also once a week. There were well, maybe the, four or five people there. Right. This meeting was three times the size of the. Now, it's just taking the consideration that this is a a metro that is um, what uh, twenty-five thousand. Twenty-five thousand. County seventy-five thousand. Twenty-five thousand in the city, and Sarasota is a city of. Of 350,000. No, that's not true. Well, I, not the city, the, the, the county. Right. But was the Libertarian Party the, the Libertarian Party of Sarasota County, not of Sarasota City? That's correct. I don't even think county. it met in Sarasota City because Sarasota City is this tiny little thing that the town has grown out of. Um, and so it's 10 times, more than 10 times the population, and it was a third of the draw on the night that we had our candidate winning, or not winning, but uh, running Election and getting 30%. Yes, yeah, so it, was, it was a huge night. This was nothing. This was very little. It was uh, some kind of, uh, you know, a little civil dis- disobedience by uh, awarding uh, Judge Burke, a, uh, give, giving Judge Burke an what award. What happened yesterday, you mean? Right. Yeah. So it, comparatively, it's just, there's so much more happening here. So much more. Right. So you keep... Piling these activists in together, inevitably good things are going to occur, and they already have started. So go and check out freestateproject.org. As we continue with your phone calls, we will talk to, I believe, Dennis is with us in Florida. Dennis, you're on Free Talk Live. Greetings, gentlemen. You there? What's on your mind? Well, um, I heard you guys talking the other night about um, getting Alex Jones on your show. Is that something I heard? 
Uh, we've you know been throwing around the idea. He's got a new movie out that uh, that I think is is pretty good. I mean, it's not you know, the purpose of having Alex Jones is not to talk conspiracy theories. I know uh, he likes to do that sort of thing, but uh, but to talk about some of the you know the real uh, information he's putting out there about how crooked these politicians are. And he uh, his new movie, The Obama Deception, I think does a good job of really showing liberal-minded people that this guy isn't what he seemed to be. And I think that's uh, that's a positive thing and that, that people, uh, I think it's something that people should see. So yeah. that was kind of my idea there. I got uh, some good radio for you. Jason Barmas agreed to uh, either have you guys come on his show or him, him come on yours and discuss what, I, what you said, important issues. You guys kind of poo-poo the conspiracy stuff, which I don't like to call it that. I call it profound, important facts about you know history and what's going yeah, on. Yeah, they're not I mean, important. They're not important. They are relevant. They are relevant mm, anyway. No, not really. The, 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 the truth behind 9-11 or whatever that uh, people like him obsess over is not important to the average yeah. American at all. One is, there's a lot of conspiracies, though. No, I don't think he obsesses over any one particular one, but... Uh, but now are you This is the you, guy that you're talking about the guy that made a movie about uh the, the loose change He presented facts he presented facts He, I mean, pres- he presented his interpretation of the information he Shouldn't collected Should he be debating uh, like those some of the people that on the internet that go out there and they they try to debunk the uh conspiracy theorists I mean we don't do that on this show We did no, for no, a short period of time I know your show's not about conspiracies and, I, and there's enough shows about that kind of stuff Thank you. But the way you kind of are indifferent about these, you know, these important facts to me is just—it's just a little. Why are they so? At some point, we will believe, won't we? Keep <laughs> jamming it down. We'll believe. Why are they so <laughs> important? Facts. Any in, you know, intellectual person is going to. You know, I, yeah. That's right, Mark. No, you're I, a dummy. I don't know about right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an idiot. The, um, <laughs> the fact is. What I see is I see th- you know organizations like Popular Mechanics, whom I trust, um, who's who just par- published an article within the last year about the rising police state and the danger of it, saying that no, I'm sorry, it you know it's legit. Yes, these buildings could have toppled the way they toppled when these two planes hit. To me, I believe that. I don't. You know, I'm not, Can I we really call not get into this conversation here? I don't be- want to. I don't, that's not why I called. Well, I, actually, I wasn't, I wasn't chastising you. I was chastising Mark for going and, and getting into, well, I'm going to defend myself. I just don't think that what you're saying is that these are important facts at all, if they are even facts. Uh, I don't know who's got the facts. I don't know what the facts are the real facts. And I, I don't see what the importance is. I've been, you, you know, the conspiracy crowd has been calling this show for, for years, trying to bring us on board with this stuff. What about stuff? The monetary conspiracy? Not, not the 9/11 stuff. What about the monetary conspiracy? Which didn't I think we just more, spend the last isn't, half hour talking? Isn't it finance? relatively no, easy? No, no. Isn't it relatively easy for the average person to grasp that rich people, um, if they have control of the money, any people, I'm sorry, any people that have control right. of the currency not, not a, will steal that um, the value of that currency from them, the people that don't have control of it? I mean, that seems like a relatively easy thing for people to get. Right, but you guys seem to think that avoiding the simple fact that. What you're doing there is great. I think I, I love what you guys are trying to do there in New Hampshire. I'm going to bring you back. Hang on. I'll give you, I'm going to bring you back here in a moment. 800-259-9231. Uh, yeah, I mean, telling them the basics about uh, fiat currency and how it all works is great. That that helps inform people. But telling them that the Rothschilds uh, plotted on a secret island, more coming up. 
This is Free Talk Live. You dial in, bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Gard. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Basically, it works like this. You go, you get signed up, either any major credit card or PayPal or one of the alternative options, and it's essentially a monthly recurring amount that comes out, 3 bucks a month. That's all we're asking. You don't really even have to think about it. It's like the, the price of a cup of coffee. So if you can skip a cup of coffee, you can afford the Free Talk Live AMP program. And we take that money in and we reinvest it. We turn it right back around and put it back into the show, getting on more radio stations across the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. Because in my opinion, it's freedom and liberty and the concepts that uh, that go along with it, like the non-aggression principle, not aggressing against your neighbors, the idea that if you want to live free, you have to allow other people to be free as well. It's those ideas that are persuasive to me. And, of course, you contrast that with the existing tyrannical state that we have and all of its depredations and all of the awful things that it does to people. Those are persuasive things for people to hear, I believe, on the radio. And I think that the the success of Free Talk Live speaks truth to what I'm saying. The fact that you know, this show is on dozens of radio stations across the country, the fact that it's a profitable show and that we're getting ratings shows that, you know, we're doing something right here. But yet here we are on the phone again with another uh, supporter of the conspiracy theory movement. Uh, Dennis is on the line in Florida. And Dennis is again trying to convince us that conspiracies are important. Now, go ahead, Dennis. I wanted to make sure you had a fair shot. So uh, go ahead with your point. I do appreciate that. I do want to first say that you guys are part of the solution up there doing what you're doing All in right. your own way. I mean, there's a lot. There's so many issues when it comes to the, the truth of what's going on, what's going to happen. God, who can you know, foretell what's going to happen? It's, it's hard enough to understand what has happened, what's happening right now. But my only point, the only reason I called, because you mentioned basically wanting to talk to Alex Jones. I think it would make for great radio. Of course, he's impossible to get a hold of, but I talked to Jason Burmas, and he's a well-spoken young guy. He's probably around your age. I, I'm not interested in talking to the advocates of conspiracy theories. I'm, well, ta- I'm interested in talking to a filmmaker, so they're, they're, I'm not going to accept a substitute for, for Alex Jones. I don't want to talk to he's Alex Jones about Building 7. I don't want to talk about you know uh, death rays or whatever it is that the conspiracy but theories are right now. Like, I want to talk about solutions and how it is we can get from here where we are today with all the tyranny that we have to a a more free society and i don't think passing out dvds is anything that's you know a significant solution so that's what i want to discuss and so i I appreciate your offer but uh, you know he can call in just like anybody else can I got you okay well you mentioned it so i thought you know i kind of rung my bell and uh i mean Mm -hmm. you guys are doing a good thing up there Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you buttering us up. But let's get let's get back into the well, conversation he here. He does right. believe it. That's good. Let's get back into the conversation because you believe that telling people all of these little factoids and details and you know like all this backstory about you mentioned the the uh, the banking conspiracy, right? Which of course you can go pretty deep into. You can go back Very to deep. Jekyll Island. You can go and talk about how they secretly... Jekyll Island, you can take it all the way back to the, the, the Rothschilds. The Rothschilds, I sure. mean, you know, more than a century if you... If you Trace it back as far as... to Alexander Hamilton. I yeah. think that the, the Templar Knights are involved in this one, aren't they? Yeah. You can go back, back as far as you want, and you can get into all of the, you know, the dirty details, 
But that's just all kind of a sideshow, in my opinion, from the most important fact that fiat money is bunk. You explain what fiat money is. Gardner, what is fiat money? Fiat money, invented paper money with no real hard currency backing. You show people that that's what we have today. Pull out the dollars from your wallet. Show them that it says Federal Reserve Note. Show them one that said uh, Silver Certificate. Explain the difference. And then, you know, you can explain to them why it is that the dollar continues to lose value. It's because it's fiat currency. It doesn't matter that it was, you know, the concept was invented by Baron von Rothschild or whoever in 1600 or whenever, whenever he existed. None of that's stuff matters it's historically Rational interesting it does matter the the facts that's beyond 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 what you're saying really do matter i mean just to simplify it that way you're not going to you're not going to reach anybody and maybe other than your own audience i well, mean another yeah, few do others you, but do you think that there is a, all my point is these do, are important things i know you, you think, guys disagree i didn't i, I didn't call to argue well, well, let me let me no no let me let me just ask you a quick question do you think that there is a salutary that there's a benefit uh to and ian i'd love to get your thoughts and, and mark too do you think there's there's a benefit a uh, partial benefit to telling people about some of these these theories because it will generate even more anger to think that there has been passion. a core group of people. Yeah, more passion. Or do you think that eventually that becomes distracting from from finding you solutions have to go today? Through that, you have to walk through the fire to be truly on board. I, I, I believe that. Maybe, maybe you don't, but I do believe that you got to walk through the fire to understand the truth. Am and I on board? Until people wake up to it, you guys are doing your thing. I don't. I don't know why you poo-poo some of these other things. But wait, because I, the question was, you, have to, you, you, you made the statement, one has to walk through the fire to be on board. And my question right. to you is, am I on board? You're walking through fire. I don't know if you're quite on board. I'm not, I mean, well, I'm not, on, I'm not, on, I'm not uh, walking through the fires you're talking about. I don't believe the conspiracy theories. So am I on board know. or not? Mark, which one? Which one? You say conspiracy, all conspiracy. You seem to group I d- everything. I do not believe that. Uh, I, I do not believe that uh, one family of Jewish people control the entire world. I think it's nonsense. Well, I, I don't. I wouldn't pretend to know. You know those kind of truths anyway. I mean, I'm more talking a little more general truths. No, well, I mean, that's that's where it goes, you know? man. I mean, and and one if you want to take it a little family. farther, these they, they get they get even crazier. These stories. You're right. The rabbit holes are many and deep, no doubt about it. Right. I so I don't advocate people. And- I don't advocate people dig down into them because it doesn't matter as far as us achieving liberty in our lifetime. If that's what your goal is, if your goal is to just spend hours and hours researching uh, an unending amount of uh, theories and crawling down those rabbit holes, then there's plenty of them to crawl down, as you pointed out. But if your goal is to actually have some effect on the future and to create a better world for us all to live in, then put down the research and. And get active and start doing exactly something right. about all this. And Absolutely getting out right. there and That's talking right. about the melting temperature of steel and, you know, the, the Building 7 and all of this stuff, it's all very academically interesting, okay? I'll admit to you, there are some interesting questions, there are some interesting points. You can spend time, and it's very intriguing to look into these things. But in the long run, it doesn't change what happened. And it doesn't. And one of the things that's most destructive, in my opinion, is that when you talk about who it is, you know, the Bilderbergers or whoever, you know, who's in the Bilderbergers? Is Hillary Clinton, is Barack Obama, the bankers, and whoever else? You know, these powerful He's people. Bones. She's skull and bones. She's yeah, and bones. yeah. I mean, they're they're third level Illuminati's and all this other detail. It sets up people to believe that. Well, you know. If we could just elect more Ron Pauls, 
then this problem would be solved. The Bilderbergers would be, you know, would be taken care of. It just sort of sets up the idea that the problem is the people and not the system itself. Mm. The problem isn't just the people. It's the, the entirety, the whole concept of an authoritarian state, the whole idea that some people are fit to rule over others, even if they've been, uh, you know, even if people went and cast ballots in some and, anonymous and, yeah, election. And people, people they, they hide it. They hide that ruling over others within the rhetoric of, he's a representative he represents the will of the people uh well you know what if the will of the people if the people want their wills represented they can do it themselves they don't have to vote for somebody to then force people around the entire rationale of government leads inevitably to all the problems that we have anybody who accepts the idea that government has to exist in order to provide protection it will begin to grow. It will begin to manipulate. It will begin to hurt people. One of the other things I want to uh, want to point out here is that when we were talking about conspiracies, you said, "Well, are you against all conspiracies?" Well, no. Anytime you get some uh, two people together plotting in secret to do something, you have a conspiracy. So obviously, there are conspiracies out there, but. When I'm talking about conspiracy theorists in this movement of this conspiracy theorist movement, these aren't historically accepted, and I'm talking about the newer ones. These are not historically accepted ideas. So when you get on there and you say, well, we've got evidence that uh, the 9-11 did this and that and this and that. Well, you you have your evidence and you believe it. I know that. But there are people that believe differently, as Mark was pointing out earlier. And so what you end up getting is this unending battle between two sides. One side believes the government story. One side believes the conspiracy side, of which there are usually at least five or seven different permutations. And so they, they all you know are, are just consistently battling. One side makes one point. The other makes the other. They just go back and forth, and nobody ever comes to any conclusions. If you want to talk about history, history is a little bit different. I mean, we know the Federal Reserve was created. We know when it was created. We know why it was created. So I think I think that there's some value in understanding what really happened in history. You know, getting into World War II or getting into uh, the Vietnam conflict. That where it, there's there's undeniable evidence about what exactly occurred, whereas if there's evidence that is contradictory or evidence that is questionable from one side or the other, it's just you're just you're sort of master debating, if you will. And I thank you for the call tonight. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But I don't even I don't even advocate people delve too deep into history because I understand that history is valuable because you don't want to repeat it. But once you get the ideas of freedom, I think it's time to move on ahead into the future and talk about what we can do better from here on out. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into Hour 3. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. So enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com as we continue taking your phone calls about whatever you want. Let's talk to Andy in Michigan. Andy, you are on Free Talk Live. How do you do? Hey, you're on the air. Andy? Hey, uh, before I tell my little story, I just wanted to say about uh, conspiracies. I heard you were talking about them. Uh, conspiracies are irrelevant. 
the conspiracy that really matters is the conspiracy that's started by people like Free Talk Live, Free Minds Radio, Liberty Conspiracy. And when you start to see the tyrants push back against the public figureheads of, of liberty, then that's when you know things are starting to get interesting. But, but what anyway, we're doing isn't a conspiracy. I mean, I know Gardner's uh, podcast of it's is a conspiracy. It's the definition perfectly. No, conspiracies but, have to be created in secret, and there's not much secrecy up here in New Hampshire oh, with the activists. Is that, is that element? Is that element part of every definition of that? Yeah, it's my understanding. Usually, it is. It is it, but although okay. it is fun, it's it's kind of fun to think of ourselves as you know a little a little group that uh, you know we talk amongst ourselves and we're trying to build numbers and we're sort of the underdog. And I like that sort of idea, though. You know that that concept that uh, people are so unaware about freedom now that we're almost sort of a closed circle. But we're trying by leaps and bounds. We're working to expand and get people to know. That's why with. Uh, Liberty Conspiracy, I chose that title to sort of be an ironic play that, you know, freedom is not is so unpopular now that we have to be a conspiracy for freedom. You, <laughs> you know, know it, it depends on uh, the definition. So I guess if you use definition number five, any concurrence in action combination and bringing about a given result, you could literally call this a conspiracy because mm. we are uh, we are concurring. We are, uh, you know, we're working. Yes, sir. OK, cool. Um, anyway, to the story. A congressman came to my daughter's elementary school, because I still have one child in the public school. She happens to have a very good teacher, so I've, I've left her in this year at least. But um, the congressman came to school and told the kids a story. And he read the kids the story about the boy who cried wolf. Okay? Okay. Now, what do you suppose the, the moral and the point that the Congressman John Espinoza, Democrat of Croswell, was was trying to make. Uh, well, let's see. The boy who cried wolf. The end, yeah. Is well, the, the boy the... that cried wolf didn't didn't get believed because he always cried wolf. Right. He said wolf, 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 and there was no wolf there. And so the townspeople eventually started ignoring him when he cried wolf. And then finally one day when the wolf actually came and he cried wolf, then something awful happened. That's the this story. Guy, this guy made the point to the kids in the third grade classroom that the government, are you there? Yeah, we're listening oh, intently. I'm sorry. That, that the little boy who cried wolf might not be believed, but if the government cries wolf, they're serious and you should listen. <laughs> I am not kidding. Oh, I believe you. Got to get, got to start them early on this crap. Uh, third grade, <laughs> they're bringing in Congress people to to <laughs> to propagandize well, the my kids. Daughter because you know, if you want to know the truth about something, ask a kid. I asked my daughter, "How do you think that this man is your representative, your state representative? How do you do? You, do you feel like he can represent you?" She says, "I don't see how." <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, well, I mean, logic precludes that. Uh, there's no way these people can represent anything other than themselves. They can't possibly represent you and I because you and I don't agree on everything. They can't. Ag- they certainly can't represent the four of us because we don't agree on everything. Absolutely. And they certainly can't represent a thousand people. It's impossible. It's just not. They just. Congratulations for uh, to having such a uh, brilliant uh, young daughter there. 
Well, thank you, sir. You guys have a great night. Hey, thanks Thanks. for the call. So conspiracy, the number one definition is, of course, uh, well, to uh, the act of conspiring. Uh, but the second definition is an evil, unlawful, treacherous, or surreptitious plan formulated in secret by two or more persons. So in the higher definitions, it, it always has to do with secrecy. But there is that last definition that does kind of let you in with other definite. Hey, other you know, we, we definitely feel like underdogs, you know, and, and the idea that uh, liberty is so unpopular nowadays, um, it, it gives me extra drive to try to push people and, and understand, to get them to understand things. Uh, but hey, you know it's it's a universal desire to be free in some way. But at the same time, there's this sort of bipolar nature among people that if they can be coddled, if they can be cared for, if they think they're being cared for, they they don't resist, and and all of a sudden they they fall to these sorts of things. They get a a fuzzy feeling of patriotism or nationalism when they hear about. Uh, people going off to war doesn't seem to matter what it is. And then you have this small cadre of people who oppose these things. You have uh, people like, uh, um, uh, who is it, Joe Biden, who says it's not patriotic to uh, try to dodge taxes. You should pay your taxes. That's And, and Tom Daschle says the same sort, sort of thing. did he fail to file? Yes, good point. <laughs> yes. Do as yes. I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible. Um, and and of course they they're at a totally different standard. It's like it's like the Soviet leaders. You know, they they drive around, they'd get picked up in their their limousines and their Volgas, and they had the greatest vodkas and all the wonderful food and caviar. And McDonald's was shipped in. For as long be- as there's power, the guys with it are going to be the guys that yeah. get the best stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be in the gang. And I got to tell you, you know, it brings us right back to the idea of people coming together in in an area like this in New Hampshire. It, it really does make a difference. And and I have to compliment you guys for help helping to lead the way to spearhead this. Sort it's of thing. really starting to it's really starting to to, to blow up. I it think is. because uh, ever since Judge Burke threw me in a jail cell, we had a boost. It just almost immediately after that, and maybe it was going to come anyway, and it probably would have. Yeah. I just think it. I think it hastened things a little bit. I think him taking that action, that action of tyranny, kind of uh, sped things up just a little bit and so we had a, a burst of new movers specifically to the Keene area i can't speak to the rest of the state i'm sure they're seeing new movers too up here in new hampshire at the free state project but uh but we've had a bunch of new people come to Keene. as i mentioned 32 people were at what was just basically a social hangout yesterday yeah. so we're regularly getting about 20 we we had been getting about 15 20 people on a regular basis all of a sudden it jumps up to 32 then there's this announcement and i think this is public news because pete uh, Pete Ayer at Bureaucrash mentioned this at the Liberty Forum. From what I understand, Pete from Bureaucrash and the former president of Bureaucrash, Jason Talley, oh, are yeah. moving to New Hampshire, and then they're going to go on an RV trip around the country promoting both Bureaucrash, of course, and the idea of moving people to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. It's great. I just they've got, chosen Keene. And as you guys know, uh, huge Zach Zach was there from Bureaucrash. Uh, Zach Fix. Yep. And and we're talking. He's going to do an interview with me about Liberty Conspiracy coming up. And you know, and so we're all getting to know each other. Anthony Gregory, uh, you know, does a lot of work for the Independent Institute. Just chatting with him over the phone over the weekend. He was at the Liberty Forum. Did a great job meeting people like Mary Ruard. All these people that you respect and admire for all their work. You know, and. Then you find out that they listen to Free Talk Live, or they've heard about you, and, and you say, "Wow, that's really neat." So they they obviously think that you guys are doing good work, and and I hope people understand that even when we get uh, callers who sometimes disagree or, or whatever, it's it's so nice to hear someone say, "Hey, you know, I'm conspiracy buff, and I'm you know I I'm interested in these sorts of things." Slight challenges here and there, but then they say something like, "Hey, you guys are doing good work," you know, keep it up. That that's really beneficial. It helps a lot.
you know. Yep, and the and the the amount of people is really starting to change things too because having a few dozen people available to show up at any kind of, you know, the drop of a hat pretty much nowadays, having this amount of people being able to show up is really changing the way we're perceived by the government folks. Before it was just, you know, a year ago it was all oh, those crazy kook free staters are here, you know, there's five of us, right? Then there's then you're just a crazy group. But when there's 25 it starts to change the perception of how your people are seeing you. When there's 50, and we haven't gotten to that point of where 50 can show up on a regular basis to things, it's going to be standing room only in the courtrooms, in the city council meetings. And just for the first time last week, Free Staters here in Keene showed up at the city council meeting and just let fly on these people. They had a public session, wow. and a couple of Free Staters got up and spoke. We put the video up at, at freekeen.com, and these people, these guys did not beg. They did not plead. They got up in front of these city councilors, and they basically called them out for what they are. And that is a, a big gang, essentially. So having this kind of stuff go on is just, it's never happened anywhere else. And so what's it going to lead to? I don't know, but I'm pretty excited to find out. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free, bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Features are free. You can enjoy things like the bulletin board system with over 450,000 posts, serious issues. To find stuff, you'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. And that again, bbs.freetalklive.com. The Computer Privacy Handbook warns, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. You can put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative, privacyharbor.com. Go over there and get a free account today at privacyharbor.com because normal email is not secure. 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone calls. Gene is on the line in Tennessee on the line. Hello, Gene. Observations from our trip to Europe. Just, it just sounds like it's going to be a good topic, but I think you've got a bad sell, so I'm going to put Gene on hold. It's we're going to come back to him, and hopefully it'll sound a little bit better. But before we get to Gene's observations from his trip to Europe, let's talk about what's happening uh, to an old man, a man yes, in his sir. late 80s, almost 90 years old. This man, yes, one of yes. the, uh, the one of the. Stories that you're just not going to hear probably nationwide, most likely. And it's one of yet another tragic occurrence where the government is coming in trying to do the right thing, but at the same time, they're hurting somebody. I mean, the cleaning up the environment sounds like a worthy cause, right? Cleaning up oil spills and things like that sounds like something that people would want to be done. Who could disagree with cleaning sure. up the environment? Yeah. But what's happening here, Guard? Well, this you're is a right. Unusual. You're not going to be hearing this in too many other places than on your program, you guys. And, and yours at libertyconspiracy.com. Good point, actually. Yes. Um, I was tipped off to this last week and uh, did a preliminary conversation uh, interview with the man uh, who is the son of the man who's getting hurt by the EPA policies here, by the federal policies, which should not apply to him and should not apply to anyone in this instance, but they are. And it goes back 22 years or longer in this case. 
because the EPA is going after an 88-year-old man who owned a gas station in Manchester, New Hampshire. He was a fixture in Manchester for 40 years, from the old days when Route 101 was the only route. And you just went by this guy's place. They had Coca-Cola in the glass bottles and, you know, the old time, pop the lid, hang out with the guys, get your oil changed there. Well, lots of people got their oil changed there. And he hired a company to take the oil away. That company was in existence since 1920. For 70 years, they collected people's oil, they took it away on contract, and they were paid to handle this product. Great. So I, as a business owner, don't have to deal with the disposal. I can hire a contractor to come in, and they're responsible for it. Absolutely. Well, it looks like... Or are they? In this case, they had this this company, uh, which is called... uh, Let's see. The company is called... The oil disposal Um, company. Yes. Bead Waste Oil Company in Plastow, New Hampshire, was cited in 1996 for depositing of the oil improperly on its site in New Hampshire. The EPA, so they've been de- incorrectly depositing this for decades? Yes, for decades. And they've been taking it not just from private companies that thought they were doing the right business and have been defrauded in this case, but also from government entities, towns, from their mm. plow trucks, their buses, and things like that, and uh, uh, federal agencies and state agencies. So Now, the way in which they, uh, they put this stuff... Uh, they deposited this oil. Yes. Was it actually dangerous to the environment, or was it just some sort of minor violation, according to the EPA? We don't know. Uh, and this is where we start to get a little complex into what is a, a claim that can be made against someone. If In this story, I have ne- seen nothing where there are aggrieved parties who have taken this company to court. So nobody has said you polluted our land. Exactly. There is no there is no claim based on tort law. And as I mentioned before, this is this is on many levels a real insult, not only to ethics, not only to the Constitution, but to the very tradition of common law that established claims for torts and damages in the stinking first place. The story here is that the government The EPA, without any sort of a trial, without any representation, has now approached any of the companies that were doing business with this business out of Plastown, New Hampshire, that thought they were doing the right thing and were defrauded by this company, they are making claims on this company, on on the uh, gas stations and the private owners, 20 years after this man retired and sold his gas station. He's 88 years old, going to be 89 now. He's living on his retirement and Social Security, has a wife who has Alzheimer's disease, he is now being hit up for $17,400, and if he doesn't pay in 30 days, it will double. Oh, God. It will double. All because, not because someone made a claim and asked that this man be, be brought to court for a tort trial where civil damages would be assessed based on a jury, and mm-hmm. they would hear the case, and it would be based on British common law, and a judge would have to determine whether the aggrieved party had standing. No. An abstract entity, which cannot... By and they any, wouldn't have standing. I'm sorry to interrupt, but they wouldn't yes. have standing against him anyway. He didn't d- get he rid of the oil. He didn't do it. Well, you see, then they have joint and several liability. You see, nowadays in, in tort law, they introduce joint and several liability, which is sort of nebulous because even though he didn't, he wasn't aware of it, they would try to determine in the court, the judge might allow it and say, well, now we're going to determine what your liability was. What should you have known? 
But they're not even <laughs> going to that nebulous. They're not even going in that sort of amorphous route. They're not even allowing that sort of thing to happen, which I think is disastrous in the first place. What they're doing is, with no trial, EPA, state is the aggrieved party, which is impossible. You can't have an abstract title. I call state. the state to the stand. Exactly. <laughs> the state hasn't been hurt. You can only have a tort claim if you are an individual who has been harmed. The judge says, yes, you have standing. You can proceed with the trial. That's well, the way it's always worked in British common law. I would agree with that. Um, uh, that you see, In this case, the ground, which is the state, has may very well have been hurt. However, um, this gentleman sold his oil to another company. Now, you know, made an exchange uh, for his oil uh, yeah. with this other company. He paid a company to take it away. He no longer owns that oil. He doesn't. And, he, and the he, other thing you know, is... It, it, he changed the ownership of that oil. That oil then becomes this other company's. And, uh, you know, I don't know. They should do whatever they're going to do against this other company. But they know that they can come after the little guys and, and scare right. the bejesus out of them and get some money. Now, when I interviewed this man's son, and this man is hard of hearing, uh, you know, he's got a lot of hurdles he's up against here. Uh, when I interviewed this man's son, David, David is a friend of mine. He didn't want he didn't want people to know about it at first. He just wanted to tell the story. He wanted people know people to know what was going on because he didn't think that this could be fought. But he's changed his mind. We spoke about this. I, I've recorded another conversation, which will be posted at the website tomorrow. And if people are interested, they can hear the first one. Not to, to promote the website or whatever, but if they want to go, they want to hear it, it's at the Liberty Conspiracy. They can check it out. David's a good guy. His last name is Zlotek, Z-L-O-T-E-K. And very soon I will post uh, a link to a Boston Globe article about what is being done to these people. And there's even more involved. It's not just in him, there. though. It's not just the 89-year-old. There are all kinds of people. 1,700 people, and Exxon is partially behind this now. We'll get to more of this here. There are more details. Yeah. We're going to get to it. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Toll free again, 800-259-9231. Government officials like to think they know better than the rest of us. They tell us what we can buy and when we can buy it. Everything from guns and booze to cold medicine and cigarettes. Now they've gone even farther. Cities across the country are now trying to tax and ban bottled water. That's right. Simple, no alcohol, no caffeine, no calorie bottled water. They say it's wasteful and buying it is, quote, stupid. But who are they to decide? If politicians decide you shouldn't even be able to buy bottled water, what's next? Visit us at enjoybottledwater.org and sign the petition to keep the nanny state out of our water bottles. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial in and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Guard. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, and those features include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They are yours free. Front page of the website going back for an entire year at freetalklive.com. If you're... In, in the college age bracket and you're listening to this show, you're going to be want to be at the uh, seminars that the libertarianseminars.com is holding uh, uh, this summer. Uh, it's the, you know, they're week-long seminars. The IHS covers all the meals and housing and all that stuff. They're for people who are new to liberty, to people who know a great deal about it. You can go to libertarianseminars.com. The deadline is fast approaching. It is like right now, so go register now at libertarianseminars.com. 800-259-9231. All right, so continuing this story here, and then we'll get back to your calls, but I just want to make sure we get all the details out. So let me see if I yeah. can recap where we're at so far. 
back in the early part of the 20th century, so a long time ago, <laughs> yeah. there was a, a gentleman who was running a gas station or a fixing uh, convenience store with a, an auto repair bay, and he was doing oil changes for people, and he contracted out the oil removal service. So he had a company come in and remove the oil and take it to their location and do what they do with oil, whatever that is. It's not his business, right? He doesn't want to deal with oil disposal, so he hired someone else to handle it. And he figured, that's fine, right? Right. That makes sense. You've paid this company. They're going to take care of it. It's their responsibility at that point. Turns out that's not actually how things work today. With the, uh, all the crazy laws in Washington, D.C., the EPA has come along, and they've determined that this company that had been removing the oil over all of these years had been improperly storing it. And we're not really sure what that means. We don't know if that means they just, you know, didn't follow one regulation, but it doesn't really hasn't really resulted in any land being poisoned because nobody has filed a suit. There hasn't been any evidence of any damaged property. It's just the government coming in and saying there's a problem here. Yes. So the yes. government has come in and said there's a problem here, and we need for you to pay us. What, what were they? Did they do some sort of cleanup operation on it? Yeah, I'll just... give you. I'll give you the details. And one of the things to remember here is that these people are being nailed. And this is within New Hampshire so far. The people we're talking about is are, the man I'm talking about specifically, Edward Zlotek, is in New Hampshire, and the site is in New Hampshire. How the federal government claims jurisdiction here, I don't know. Well, but they, they own do. everything. Exactly. See, they, they own us all. But what's happening is yeah. they're going after the owner of the gas station who oh, is yeah. still alive. Yeah. And he's and, you know, almost 90 years old. They're going after him and saying, okay, you need to pay thousands on th upon thousands of dollars because we found a problem with the guys that you that you hired to remove the oil yeah yeah and and it's interesting there's a little wrinkle here that's that's quite interesting because exxon is involved with this i'll give you the quick details according to the boston globe's beth daly on march 17th and it's very good that they wrote this this piece owners of gas stations and auto repair shops are being billed tens of thousands of dollars each to pay for the more than 65 million dollar cleanup at the deeply contaminated B site in New Hampshire. Okay, so there was a cleanup, which they claim was contaminated, but as you say, there was no actual claims from any real persons. Exactly. No, no individuals. Exactly. You know, it's interesting they're going after the service station uh, people. Could, couldn't they uh, subpoena his records and then go after all the people that he that's removed exactly, oil from their cars? That's exactly what I said actually, in the interview. He didn't buy the oil any more than this company. Precisely. <laughs> if they're going to do that joint and several liability thing, they could move it to the next level. You're absolutely right, Mark. How about go after? If he kept records on the people, if he happened to have them, then you could go with the this same thing. 30 years of oil changes, right? All those people who approach him to get their oil changed, just like he thought he was doing honest business with these people to take away his oil, they could go after he, they, could they go need after to go after the people. estates of all Precisely. these people. Yeah, what do you, that's what, what they exactly need to do. It. What do you do when you get a letter in the mail from the EPA saying, according to our records, you got your oil changed in 1993 at Joe's Stop and Shop, and you now owe $2,700 to clean up the oil that was and if you don't pay it in Yeah, if you don't pay it in 30 days, it'll double. And this is the interesting thing, says. It says, under the federal Superfund law aimed at cleaning up the nation's most polluted dumps. If the people or companies that made the mess can't clean it up, anyone who generated waste that wound up in a Superfund site, such as Bede, is responsible to pay for it, even if they broke no laws. It's crazy. And, and at the end of it, 
They've got this interesting little little. How statement. many people are they going after again? Uh, seventeen hundred people. Seventeen hundred people are all in the same boat as this one eighty-nine year old man. Yes. So he's just the one that we happen to happen to have picked out to focus on here. Yes. But there are sixteen hundred ninety-nine other people that are being victimized in the very same manner. Yes, it seems it seems that's the case. Absolutely right. And uh, it, this is this is it's it's incredible to think about this. The the company that took the stuff away closed in nineteen ninety-four, and officials found the site literally oozing with oil polluting the soil and groundwater below. Its last owner, Mark O. Henry of North Andover, was convicted and sentenced to three years in federal prison on related charges. Oh, well, okay. Well, that's all the information. Uh, that's, you know, I mean, that, that's the guy who did it. Yep. Um, the, whoever dumped it there knowingly, those people, uh, I, I, fine, fine, if, if you want to go after those people. But do not go after the people well, see, that had no idea. Exactly. And this is where that joint and several liability thing comes in. This is an extremely slippery, slippery slope, as I try to slip on the uh, pronunciation of it. it says bead was declared a superfund cleanup site in 1996 the epa then spent three years pouring through the company's manifest to identify roughly roughly 3,000 to 5,000 businesses and governmental agencies that sent or transported waste to bead from exxon mobile which sent, sent more than a million gallons to the tiny hopedale library which shipped several hundred gallons when the building switched from oil to gas in the early 1990s defenders of the law say the government has little choice but to pursue Sue companies that sent waste to Superfund sites. Otherwise, taxpayers would have to pick up the tab. I don't know how do they make that jump. I, I it's just well because the Superfund, uh, you know, once something's identified as a Superfund cleanup, then it must be according to there law you go. cleaned they deal up superficially with. Well, that's what the law says. Uh, it, it, I'm just doing my job, said the SS trooper. Uh, By the anyway, way, they just uh, they they clean them up as they see fit, though. It's yes, not like exactly. They, it's not like they find out it's a Superfund cleanup site and then just you know show up in mass. Uh, yep. But you know, by the way, if the if the government's going to uh, confiscate your land. Dump a bunch of oil on it because then the uh, local government can't use it. The federal government has to come in and you know do all these crazy things mm, in order yeah, to uh, to, yeah. to clean it up. I, I, it's a super fun cleanup. I mean, yeah. you know, I I don't know. Do some research. <laughs> Fifty-five gallon drum ought to do it. <laughs> it says here that officials at the New England Service Station and Automotive Repair Association said they have heard from about three dozen current or former owners of auto-related businesses who have received demand notices and expect far more. They question whether the bead company's shipment records are accurate. Quote, what is also killing a lot of the, a lot of the guys is that Exxon, that is going after them. And here's the thing. You see, there are certain businesses that did not get nailed by the EPA because they were too small. Now Exxon is requesting that the EPA go after these guys. Because it's only fair, right? Exactly. Exactly. So that's why they're getting all these letters now, because Exxon has pushed that the EPA try to try to get the money from them, because that's what the law says. They had They had discretion not to apply it to these smaller guys, because it would have been too much trouble or something like that. So they're saying, you've got to go after everybody. So an 88-year-old man is doing this. He says that uh, Exxon did nothing wrong, says one of the owners, but it galls him to have Exxon acting as a collection agency. If I see them making $40 billion in profit, he says, that's not fair. And at the end of the article, Beth Daly, the author, did a very good job. She says, but fairness is not part of the Superfund Laws equation. According to letters from the Quincy Law Firm that does this work, to the service owners, they state neither fairness nor your compliance with the applicable laws at the time of disposal provides any 
defense. So even if you were doing exactly as the you know, the dumb laws were mandating that you do, you can still be held liable for what the other people did with your contracted work. Yeah. Yeah. And you it's know what's crazy. interesting? What's interesting is that's very interesting because there is a provision in the Constitution that says no ex post facto law. This is the Superfund law. That is a law Constitution smonstitution. <laughs> yeah, really. So anyway, um, well, now we, if the F, if the EPA is an extra constitutional agency, then the, do they have to pay attention to what the Constitution says? Is I mean, it really is it really law if you don't get a trial? If a tree falls okay. in the forest, does an EPA guy go and sue somebody? Apparently, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. If you've ever walked through that forest, there's a chance you might be liable for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, more on the way here. You can bring up whatever you want, uh, even in these remaining moments. And Gene is back to tell us about his trip to Europe. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, just enough time for your call. If you make it right now to 1-800-259-9231, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And guard. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we would invite you to learn how to promote us. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. You see a whole list of things that you can do to help Free Talk Live get on uh, more radio stations and get in more uh, MP3 players around the world. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls, we're going to try Gene again. He's back on a landline this time from Tennessee. Gene the Christian Anarchist, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, all of you people that think the planet is overcrowded, it's not. I just flew over Europe, and guess what? It looks just like it does over here. There's, For every uh, acre of city, there's probably, I don't know, a 1,000 acres of unpopulated area. You go uh, take the highway from Paris to Germany, and it's mostly all country land. And, uh, they yeah, do, I don't know why do. people think there's overpopulation. All of the evidence shows that you can fit all of the entirety of mankind into a relatively small area if you compacted them. Right. So, uh, you know, this this BS about the planet suffering and how we're all dying because we've got too many people, it's it's nothing more than political correctness gone crazy. Um, what else did you experience over there? Yeah, well, I had a great time. Went to London and Paris and then drove from Paris to Germany and back. And I got to drive on the Autobahn at over speeds over 100 miles an hour and I was the slow guy, and the Mercedes behind me wanted to go by, so I had to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of fun, and there aren't a lot of wrecks on the Autobahn. The Autobahn is, appears, from all of my observations, to be extremely safe. Why is that? I mean, people in this country will say that going five miles over the speed limit is dangerous and that, that co- the government has done extensive studies to show they've spent millions of dollars to, uh, to set these speed limits, but you're saying people can go as fast as they want to? Well, uh, there's no limit. So I would assume, yes, you can go as fast as you want to. Wow. Now, you'd be crazy to go 200 miles an hour on the Autobahn because you would certainly probably not live very long. But, um, yeah, you can go whatever speed you feel safe at, and apparently uh, there's no carnage alongside the road, even the guardrails. I was looking at the guardrails 
to see indications of horrendous crashes into the guardrails, and there I didn't see a single Nothing. indication you of don't a see damaged a, guardrail. I, I would think I would think that the uh, the big hazard on uh, the interstate or the autobahn or whatever is in fact the people going slow. Um, here in the United States, there isn't a law that you know basically says if you're going too slow, get the hell out of the left lane, which really is um, you know what keeps things I believe more safe on the autobahn. It, look, if if there's somebody who wants to get past you. They need to be able to get past you, and you know it's these it's these slow people that glut up the interstate and cause people to want to try to get around them, and that's where they I think the accidents come from. Well, personally, didn't, didn't Montana um, bring speed limits back or, or put speed limits on their inter- their state roads yes. because they got money from the feds, not because it was right. a safety issue? Money from the feds. Yeah, yeah. Oregon did the same thing, <clears throat> but um, the the way it's enforced, apparently the way. Uh, good behavior is enforced on the Autobahn is by uh, peer pressure. It, there are no highway patrolmen. Um, really? In fact, all, all of Europe and even China, I never saw highway patrolmen. They do not have such a thing as cruisers going up and down the freeway, pulling people over because they have a burned-out license plate or because they're going too fast or any of those now, things. Now, that's been seen. your observation. I, I wonder from our Europe listeners, is that actually true? I, mean, I believe I've, it is. Because I've seen the little the, the, using... I've seen them in the movies. They've got police cars in the the meow, European movies. Meow, the little teeny, meow, yeah, meow. right. Oh, they have police cars, and I saw them driving around Paris, and you know, with their little blue lights on, going here and there. But and they don't things. go on the but highway. They, I, there is apparently no highway enforcement that I saw. Hmm. That I never saw a highway cruiser. I never saw anybody pulled over. Um, uh, I haven't seen that in Japan, uh, in China either, on the roads there. Hmm. Apparently, all of the enforcement in China and Europe seems to be done through speed cameras. And I did actually get a speeding ticket in France when I came back from the Autobahn, or at least I think I did. The camera flashed when I went by it because I didn't know it was there. Uh, of course, I'm not paying that ticket. They're going to have to come here and collect <laughs> it. In fact, I didn't. I, haven't seen the ticket. Where does, what is an international driver's license? Why were you able to legally drive over there? Uh, I went to AAA and got my international driver's permit. I see. And uh, Can you show that to a copper here now? No, I don't think so. And okay. then I went to a car, uh, car rental place in, at the airport in Paris, and basically all they want, I showed them my international driver's permit, and I was supposed to also show them my passport. And I said, oh, no, I forgot my passport in the hotel room. She said, oh, don't worry about it. And uh, I signed the papers, and they gave me a brand-new Peugeot to drive around, a diesel Peugeot, a very nice car. Hmm. Um, the Most of the cars over there are diesel, and the gasoline prices are horrendous. Uh, yeah. Diesel is cheaper over there than gasoline, which is the way it's supposed to be. Yes. But it's still about $6 a gallon. Wow. So it's very expensive. Um, That's And amazing. the toll roads in in France are very expensive. There are no toll roads in Germany that I saw. I, mean, I didn't go all through Germany. I just went to Wiesbaden from from Paris. So did you make a stop in uh, in Amsterdam, Gene? Get a little uh, get a little baked? No, too far away. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, I didn't have the time. I basically took one day from Paris and drove to Germany and spent the night in Germany and then drove back. What were you over there in the first place for? Well, my son had his uh, spring break from school, and we thought oh. it would be good since he's learning French this year. We took him to France. Oh, uh-huh. ho yeah, a very interesting place, France. Uh, again, like uh, very socialist, like, lot of a uh, lot of unemployment there. 
I was surprised. We ate dinner with uh, a friend of my wife's who, well, actually a sister of my wife's friend who's been living in France for over 20 years. She's, of course, Chinese, but she has a French husband, and I was talking to him about the taxes because I thought my impression was that every, the taxes were horrendous in uh, France, and they are pretty high. You've got that 15% VAT on everything, like a sales tax, mm-hmm. uh, but their income tax rate is much lower than ours, and they don't withhold from your paycheck. Oh, wow. You, wind up, you have an option. You can either pay it in 12 monthly installments, or you can wait till the end of the year when you file your form and then send it in. I said, well, what happens if somebody doesn't have the money? And they, he said they wind up getting penalties and interest, and just like here, you know. But they don't at least force you to take it out of your paycheck. Gene, as always, good to hear from you, and uh, you're a man about the world. It's always interesting to hear your observations from your travels uh, because things are different out there. Thank you for the call. Yeah, he's talking. I get this impression that all those people, they're foreign, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means, Yeah. Right? So, yeah, we're all people, human beings. Uh, we just happen to be born in different plots of land. I don't think there is such a thing as being foreign. Anyway, we continue here uh, with your calls. Adam is in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Adam. Uh, hi. Hey. Um, I have information about um, what's happening in Schenectady right now. Yeah, what is happening in Schenectady? I actually had this story tonight. We never got to it. Go ahead and give us the briefing. Um, well, I currently am in Florida, but I live in New York, uh, Albany area. Mm-hmm. And I got information from people that uh, martial law has been declared and the department has been sacked. The what? Really? Has been sacked? The police department. The police department. department. The story that I had was from the 19th, so it's a few days old at this point. I'll, I'll have to poke around and see if there's an update. Uh, but, they, yeah, the police chief was basically saying because five police officers have been accused of everything from driving drunk to beating up a man, they're looking at taking drastic action to fix the department tainted by the few who may have acted illegally. Uh, and he says, so apparently because they got a few bad cops that have been outed, they're now looking at imposing martial law. And what you're telling us is that that has actually happened at this point? Uh, yeah, um, I have a family member in the National Guard in New York, uh, Echo Company 427, and he has been deployed to Schenectady. And what are they doing? Um, well, uh, what the information I have is that uh, the mayor wants to get rid of the police because um, what you said, uh, someone has been accused of beating up their wife, uh, DWIs, um, drugs, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the mayor wants to sack the police and bring in the National Guard for a cool-down period so we can set up some kind of countywide police or something. That's what I heard. I oh, we'll take a closer that. look at it. I thank you, Adam, for the call tonight. I, again, I had this story here. The mayor said that it's a stopgap measure and you'll need military forces for that. The state police and the National Guard, apparently they need the National Guard in order to get rid of one police force and hire another one or something. But here's a really revealing quote. It's from the council of the municipal government, the the attorney, basically. He says, if you abolish the police department, you still have a need, not an obligation, but a need to police the community. So there's that attorney right there admitting in his statement that there is no obligation for poli- for the government to provide the police. Not at all. Isn't it interesting? They just admit it right out in the open. Yep. We have no obligation to protect you, and we're done. It's been Ian here with you. Uh, and Garg. And Mark. See you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. 
You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details.